Engage. <laughs> Captain's log. <laughs> I hope that's on there. Like, yeah. Just waltzing around teasers. We're really recording. and welcome to another edition of Spotlight. You may not be listening at afternoon, but I'm at afternoon right now and I don't care what you're doing. So, uh, I'm Liam Dempsey and I'm joined by my usual co-host Matt Brothers and Paul Wilson. Hello, Hello Spotlighters. That, that's very, very well in sync, that. I like it. Uh, we <laughs> are... Yeah, they, uh, that wasn't in sync because we were fucking talking over each other. <laughs> we are Spotlight. We are the Star Trek podcast from a non-Trekkie perspective. And in this episode, we are revisiting Star Trek, The Next Generation. This is another in our series of revisitations of uh, all the kind of various classes. Like we have a seance. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, we talked about seances in the last episode, kind of thing, which will be the next episode. <laughs> oh, now we're really seancing. We're really um, yeah, we've been doing this series of episodes where basically we roll around back to all the different classic series of Trek, and we did a series of episodes previously uh, where we got a guest on who was a hardcore fan of the series that we were going to talk about to pick an episode for us to watch, and now we're kind of flip-reversing it because we've all watched loads of episodes of all these series since... And now we're getting on newbies who we pick episodes for them to watch. Ooh, unsuspecting people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just drag in them the into the, the recording studio. Yeah. And then that's it. Willing victims. <laughs> Today, our unwilling victims are Alex Petrovic and Joe Foster. Hello. Hello. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Uh, can you tell us who you are and what are you doing here? Go on, Joseph, you go. Uh, we're both comedians and we run our own podcast. Um, and uh, and general nice guys, yeah. <laughs> general, general cool dudes. Yeah. Yeah. That's your that's your review of us, not other people's. Yeah. Do you want to do your own I was review? Say, not like a, like nice guys in a pre me too kind of way. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just finished last, bitches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god! Literally, has anyone watched The Mask recently? Uh, no. I know, I know it word by word. <laughs> in that, there's a thing where because I, I watch it recently, recent, I couldn't believe it. Like Stanley Ipkiss is like a horrible like incel, and yeah. where he turns around, and he wrote some article called "Nice Guy Finished Last" yeah. or whatever, and I'm like, oh, I can't. Like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I always, I always like Stanley. I Ipkiss. need the master like just pave over my inhibitions. So I can be a complete bastard. Well, yeah, he becomes <laughs> even more rapey when he puts the mask on. <laughs> uh, tell us about your podcast. I would like. To to continue uh, with the mask. Uh, <laughs> Forget my podcast. I've got like so basically, my friend um, Ben Carter was telling me who's a comedian, but he was telling me that the soundtrack from the mask is amazing for like if you're gonna have a dinner party or something. Hey, like to have you call. Yeah, 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 yeah I like, see bam, it. Bam, 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 you know all that shit. <laughs> he said it was just so that's my only mask fact. Everyone get drunk, listen to Cuban Pete and have a dance around. Yeah, exactly. There you go. But your podcast, Joe. Oh yeah, so we do a podcast called This Thing On, 
which is comedians and me and Alex and uh, our producer Jade, who couldn't make it today because the table's too small. <laughs> we chat to various comedians, including Alex. Would you like to list some of the ones that we've spoken to? We have had uh, Zoe Lyons, Angela Barnes, Ramesh Ranganathan, Joe Lysett, amongst others. Oh, mm. Sophie yeah. loves Joe Lysett so much. She watches that. Follows him on Twitter. He's very amusing. He is. Instagram is it more? He is very hilarious, and he's also a lovely, lovely man, as all of our guests have oh, been yeah. lovely. Joe Lysett has your back. That, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been lucky enough to have all nice guests so far? Yeah, well, I, I can't think we've, we've not had anyone that we've not got on with. They've no, all there, well, there was one um, Alex and our producer hated, um, but uh, we won't. Are you going to reveal who they are now and we can cut it out? Um, no. It, it was well, <laughs> yeah, it was me. <laughs> Every time. No, um, no, they've all been all right. They've all been all right. I mean, we're not... We don't have much on the table for them to come, so they're very nice people. <laughs> they are working with very little, as you are all going to <laughs> realise over the next hour and a half. That's exactly what we want to do. <laughs> you know, come fresh, come like a bit, no, no inhibitions yeah. about Star Trek, you know. I mean, that's where we're going to start, really. Kind of, yeah. What is your pre-existing experience with Star Trek as a franchise or something you're aware of? I'll take this one. Yeah. Um, no. So, I don't, I mean, I've watched, so basically it used to be on, didn't it used to be on um, somewhere near The Simpsons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah, basically, yeah, two channels away. So that's my... Oh, no, no, it was actually on two. BBC, BBC Two, two Simpsons, yeah. Fresh Prince, Snooker. Star Trek. <laughs> or, or Snooker, if you are unlucky. So when we all used to just have normal TV, I used to watch it occasionally if dinner wasn't ready. So that's my whole... That's how good it my was. Whole thing. If dinner watching it very hungry. Yeah, <laughs> You're just like, like, yeah. But Joe, you can you can have your food on your lap if you want and watch Star Trek. No, that's fine, Mum. I'll come to the dinner <laughs> yeah. table and eat like yeah. a big bowl. I want to tell you what I did with my day at school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anything but this, please. <laughs> but no, I, I always thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was kind of, kind of fine, isn't it? It's all right. Most I see like this it. is the next generation. Yeah, yeah. so that time. one and then the old one with the man. You know, <laughs> the original series, the original. Uh, or otherwise known as Star Trek, with William Shatner, who I presume is the yeah, man. Yeah, that's the man. He is the man. That's the Bella. <laughs> um, and then, what was that? There was the other one with the Borg. That's the film, isn't it? There's, there's a film called Star Trek First Contact with the Borg and the villains. So, seen that one. Okay, well, uh, that's, the, that's the best one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, well, according to you, according to my, according yeah. to my own personal <laughs> ranking. Yeah. Um, but that's my that's my whole my whole bit. That's my your whole thing, thing. Alex. Uh, uh, not a Trekkie. I have seen some stuff, but obviously made such a burning impression on me that I wouldn't be able to tell you what. I remember I saw an episode once, and this you might burn me because this might not even be Star Trek. <laughs> Convinced it's Star Trek. Um, there's one where like the rocks in, and he rock bottoms someone. Yeah, is that? So that was the what? WWE crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, They basically both on the same network or something, and they just like they, I think they, they broke the season's budget to get the Rock in. Yeah, yeah. To do this bit, he's only in like one half of the episode. Yeah. This is the period where the Rock was contractually obliged to do a rock bottom and everything. Else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Scorpion King. Yeah. Did, he, did he raise his eyebrow? He did. There was people's yeah. eyebrow yeah, um, through the prosthetics, uh, which were very, very few and far between. I think because it's like we need to show it's the Rock. So. Today we have picked three episodes for you to view. We're going to go through hand chronological handpick for quality and freshness. <laughs> yeah. These uh, aren't just any episodes. These no. are <laughs> these are the cream of the crop. Um, 
we've it, now these aren't necessarily the three best episodes ever or anything of the yep. show. The no. idea is very much <laughs> that we're agree. <laughs> <laughs> the idea is we're picking them as like a good entry. They're meant to be good, Joe. Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, a good entry point to uh, the show. And the first one we're going to talk about is Sins the Father, season three, episode 17 on the Netflix uh, listing. Mm-hmm. Paul, oh, this was your choice. Yeah. And you have a plot description, I believe. Well, yeah, probably one doesn't do that much justice. But a Klingon commander comes aboard the Enterprise in an officer exchange program initiated by Starfleet, much to the chagrin of the crew. That is not what this episode is really about. At all. But, but I think the they're trying to save you from the twist. They're trying or... to save you from the twist, but you know, so this officer is actually just showing up, Worf, like you know, baiting him. But it's actually just to check whether he's right, really got actually Klingon like you know sensibilities mm. because he is in fact his brother. His brother, and he's coming to seek Worf's advice and counsel because their father's reputation, their dead father, is being trashed by some upstarts in the Klingon high command in an attempt to kind of influence like the way the next. Sort of, I don't know, election mm. show and something like that. You know, this is the first, I think, of a, of a big arc for Wolf, and that's probably why I've chosen it. Yeah, I mean, this episode feels like it's it's relying on a lot of past knowledge. Did you guys feel that? Yes. Did you feel like you were missing something, or was it more implied? Because I didn't know what's going on pre this. Yeah, there was kind of there was lots of kind of there are a few kind of background things that you're kind of big reveals and stuff like mm. that with dramatic zoom ins. You're kind of like. I'm guessing by the camera work that was meant to mean something to me. (laughs) So you said, Paul, the reason you chose this was minimal. Because the um, um, with the next generation, like it's a lot of sci-fi episodes where they are really about you know the thing they're up against that week. You know they're working as a team to find something, but there's not very many episodes where they kind of give over fully to character like Mm -hmm. their development. And the character development is quite slow throughout the seven seasons because it's like his classic hit the reset button at the end of the week. Mm. Um, you know, we're, we're just want to kind of refresh. Nobody has any kind of lingering kind of trauma, like psychologically or mentally or physically from anything that they've endured. So, you know, for them to have kind of character moving forward, it's mm-hmm. really rare. But this is this for me began like a really good run of Wolf episodes. And I think um, it's where you get to really explore actually Klingons, you know, who are in the movies, um, or in the original, original show, they're kind of like, they're not much depth to them, really. You know, you get to know a little bit about them, and in the they're films, kind of like jocks. Yeah, like alpha, <laughs> alpha dicks. <laughs> That's what I picked up. I'm yeah. and, and in the well, in Star Trek Three, the motion, uh, the search for Spock, you've got like um, Christopher Lloyd playing and just having up to like ten. Yeah, and uh, but they're very much just being like one note villains, and so this is to kind of get to see kind of where that's all coming from, a bit of their kind of um, their, their society and that kind of thing. It's just I felt like. There's some really good twists in this episode, and I thought like mm-hmm. it's a good chance for you know, people coming in to sort of see the, the yeah. dramatic potential of like the characters we have on the show. It's funny since our first Next Generation episode, I've, I think I've watched about twenty five episodes, just random kind of picked around, and two of the ones I have done are the Redemption two part of from season end of season four, beginning of season five, which this does feel like a precursor to because yes, the stuff happening with Warp in those episodes are as a result of this. So it was nice for me to fill in that gap because I have no idea how many. Had you not lines. seen this one? No. Oh, okay. So I have no idea how many storylines in the show kind of are long running. Like compared to the later Star Trek series, there aren't that many. It's very standalone. But I had just happened to watch episodes that were directly on from this, and now I've just so happened to watch this one. So yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get into this. <laughs> it's a bit um, like X Files, isn't it? Like you know, you could watch the, all the standalone ones, but you could go eight in a row almost without any kind of like moving yeah. mythology forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you watch Mepholi episodes, you're talking about like 40 out of like 180. How many episodes they run for? They're usually, uh, I mean, there's, 
I mean, now there's like 11 seasons of Exiles, but over 200, the original run is 202 episodes. Yeah. The original run. And that's before you get season 10 and 11 yeah. and also the movies as well. But they used to do, on average, it tends to be like kind of six or seven morphology-based episodes in a season. They'd usually do like one two-part at the beginning, a two-part in the middle, maybe another one, then the finale or whatever like that. And then all the other episodes in between were like standalone. And I think as it went on... Like there became more and more focus on mythology based mm. episodes in the, in the later seasons and stuff like that. But yeah, it's a similar thing there. Well, that's X Files is perfect, kind of crossing the bridge, isn't it, between old school standalone crime of the week TV and kind of now the fully serialized yeah. kind of shows. And this, I think this could have stood up. This does, that's why I chose it. I think this, while it is part of like a bigger picture, I don't feel there was enough before this to kind of like say, oh, you needed to know too much about it. But um, mm. and also it could almost end there that story mm. and you know he's yes. he's with Starfleet he lives in sort of lives with the disgrace mm. and carries on with his life. It sets up and tells the story that this episode tells within this episode. Yeah, so you yeah. can just dip in and do it. So this is written by Ronald D. Moore, um, most famous now for spearheading the Battlestar Galactica remake. Uh, it was very successful, along with Reed Morgan. Um, this is the only episode he ever wrote. Um, so I don't know whether. That means it's more Ronald D. Moore. It, it feels very. Well, Ronald D. Moore did stick around, of course. Like, yeah, was, yeah, wrote the first two of the motion, uh, the motion pictures of the Next Generation crew. Yes. Yeah. Uh, directed by Les Landau, um, who's an absolute kind of veteran. Legend. Of, uh, yeah, directed twenty-two <laughs> episodes legend. of Next Generation, including Deja Q, uh, which is the one where Q's got the Mexican dancing band. Sarek, <laughs> where uh, Mark Leonard comes For back what? as Sarek. <laughs> See, look, all this, all this TNG you've got to look forward it's to. Gold, gold. He directed <laughs> Family, uh, which is the episode where Picard goes back to the French vineyard that his brother uh, runs, and they get in a big fight in the mud. Uh, very sexy. Uh, Unification Part 1, where Spock came back. Time's Arrow 2 Parter. These are some good episodes. Yeah, yeah. Chain of Command Part 2. Fortnite! <laughs> and uh, Star Trek The Next Generation Interactive VCR board game, a Klingon challenge. Paul, I believe you rose to the challenge when this came out. Oh, it's funny you mention it. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, yes, I did rise to the challenge. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a board game designed for family. It's difficult to play on your own. Exactly. You know, I, I, I remember a, a controversial thing was uh, we did play at Christmas, and that you get like assigned by Royal Dice different ranks. So there's right. been, like en- cadet, ensign, lieutenant, and commander. And uh, my dad like rolled it. It was cadet, and he was like, "I'm out." Used <laughs> 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 to be such a low rank, exactly. Because his mate was like commander, and he's like, "I can't take that." <laughs> that is very your dad. Yeah, yeah. It is. Oh, and, uh, but yeah, so basically, it's uh, you're using footage from the promoting the show when the Enterprise gets hijacked um, in one of the episode, like in the first series. And but in this time, it's a Klingon that's nicked it, and you're stuck on board and having to work your way through the ship to do solve challenges. Um, and then occasionally he's on the bridge controlling things and he'll just try and fuck with you. So he'll be like, you stupid human, what is your name? And you say your name, it's like, that is a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> but if you get to the um, end, the ship's destroyed, so you basically want to finish the game before you get to the fun stuff on the tape. Right. Because okay. <laughs> it was spe- it was specially shot footage, wasn't it? With yeah. Because I did see a commercial for this on TV at the time. <laughs> Captain's Log, Star Trek, the next generation interactive video board game. Who is moving now? Tell me who. Your mission to save the Enterprise from Klingon warrior Klavok. 
Did anyone have atmosphere? Do you yeah, know? I had atmosphere. I loved it. So I had atmosphere. When I say I had atmosphere, we had somehow became into possession of the tape, but not the board game. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, when I was young, I just watched the tape. I was like, oh, this makes no sense. <laughs> what a shit film. So, did you have atmosphere? I uh, know. Okay, um, not, no. See, I'm, my family was too poor for VCR board games. <laughs> like, like, we, we didn't even own a VCR. Like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, literally, it seems so amazing. This is like a board game with a video. <laughs> yeah, just like it, all these expensive board games that I couldn't afford, like Grape Escape. Oh, yeah, I never yeah. had that. Everyone wanted to mush the Play-Doh. Looked incredible. <laughs> Do you guys remember this Grape Escape? No. Like, no. had literally... Hunt down. It was a killing simulator. Is what it was. Yeah, that's yeah. why it was cool. It was basically like mousetrap extreme, wasn't yeah. it? Essentially, with like you had like play doh like grape people, and they walk. And the idea was they basically they're trying to escape. And you've got to destroy them, and they're literally different, most horrific yeah. ways of killing. They're like going hydraulic through. press. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. And they're all getting. <laughs> and the the commercial is so violent and extreme. And like you say, it is the idea of like it's basically teaching kids to kill small animals I think yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> it's like ages four and up that's why that was that big serial killer spike in there <laughs> but yeah so Les Landau legend of uh, Star Trek lore um, this is a sequel episode to A Matter of Honour from season two, uh, which introduced the idea of the Klingon exchange program. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I thought that was fucking mad. You thought your French exchange at school was bad. Well, yeah, I, don't, I actually haven't checked whether you can sweat. But, but like... Um, you that, can sweat. That's, that was insane. Because it starts and then he's the... Acting captain? Yeah, second yeah, yeah. yeah. so my ship now. Mad. Yes. My, the first note I wrote on this episode was just Klingons equal rude. Look, because basically what it was in this previous episode, Riker, who is the number one kind of thing, um, he went onto a Klingon ship and had to basically prove himself on there. And I loved that episode. I thought it was great because it was a totally weird environment and like you say it, it's a mad idea because these are two races that were once at war it's very much in line with Roddenberry's idea of cooperation between the different races mm-hmm. and going like yeah so they were at war so now they've got this exchange road to basically try and make you know relations better mm-hmm. but it kind of seems so because the Klingons seem so extreme and so aggressive and rude mm. all the time <laughs> that you think kind of like how does this even work how does this actually happen because there's got to be admin involved yeah. in like this exchange program I'm only just going to send a suicide bomber just gets to the bridge it's like very good yeah. <laughs> yeah. well because here we have Tony Todd playing yeah, Candy uh, Man himself. yeah Candyman I most knew famous. I knew yeah. his face he is a, a famous actor he has appeared in lots of other Star Trek shows as well he's in Voyager um, and he's also in DS9 in an episode uh, directed by David Livingston who oh. we've interviewed mm-hmm. on the show he directed uh, The Visitor 
uh, which has Tony Todd as the old Jake Sisko, uh, yes. if you've watched that episode. Yes, I like, did, yeah, yeah, very good. Um, so he's kind of, you know, a bit of a Star Trek guest star mainstay, uh, but I think he's amazing as Kern in this. I think he's so good. Mm. Like, I think he's one of those actors that you get in that feels like cut above your usual guest star, you know what I mean? Like, I think she makes so much yeah. impact. He was born to be a Klingon in this. And like yes. puts Worf in his place. Like there's a shot when he walks onto the bridge and it pans past Worf and his face. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh. yeah. Well, yeah. all those early scenes of him kicking off at Riker for even daring to talk to him at any time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also <laughs> Well yeah, they're at the dinner table, aren't they? And he's just like, earlier on, I almost murdered yeah. Riker. <laughs> like just polite dinner conversation yeah, yeah. Like, on. And then the way he's just gradually like throwing shade mm. at Worf all the time yeah. it's like hilarious it's that like, classic like comedy of cultural differences like fish out water thing and it Stanford does that really well I think and it, it's interesting that it takes up the bulk of like the beginning of this episode and then deviates into something a lot more dramatic because I think a whole episode of just like the wacky adventures of a Klingon on the bridge who isn't Worf yeah. which I think mm. you do when I originally watched this I did presume that's what it was going to be because mm, yeah. of course a matter of honor is essentially just about Riker finding his feet on yes. a clean ship. It's very enjoyable for that, um, but essentially that is the central crux. Whereas this is actually using your past knowledge against you and going, "Oh, you think it's going to be the same thing here, but actually now we've got this big twist and it becomes about something entirely different." It, for you guys, first impressions wise, like leading up to the big twist of the episode. Um, what were your kind of you know first thoughts as you were watching? Well, I thought that it was going to be like you say, like then they just all learn to sort of work together. Yeah. Um, and then it all got a bit weird. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I thought it was. I mean, it was actually pretty weird to begin with. But <laughs> yeah. but like, yeah, I was I was like, oh, this is fun. I didn't know that much about any of the friction. I was like, why do you think they've got this dude there that fucking hates him? <laughs> saying he's going to kill everyone. But like, uh, and then he's so in charge. That blew my mind. And then, uh, but then I was like, because I haven't seen it before. And then I was like, have they been like in, have, have they just taken over the, and then it was like, no. Um, and then you found, found out about his, that they're related. Brothers. Yeah, exactly. And then, um. I mean, they're very fighty, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they just, just chilling out. So, just being pop culture, that you you kind of like these were the touchstones, like you were Klingons, who were kind of known to you as, as sort of like were the arch enemies. So, so yeah. to be on the bridge and that kind of stuff, it was yeah, you yeah, thought yeah. Well, you would wonder what the actual state of play was there. Yeah, so you had some pre things that was kind of like throwing you off that. Yeah, exactly. And I sort of did watched it. I think I because I watched it this morning. As soon as I woke up, I was a bit like, this is. This is insane. But, um, yeah, then the, the the twist, I think, yeah, changed the whole episode. Because mm. it becomes a completely different thing, doesn't it? And I, I do think when that happens, that big moment where it turns around and mm-hmm. then literally about a throw down and then it's like, I do think that has massive amounts of impact because it really feels like they've subtly built to that big moment of Worf just not being able to take it anymore of being like I'll show you how much a Klingon I am come on like yeah it's just yeah it's fucking awesome I will say I have all the comedic bits leading up to that that resonated with me the most was when Kern is kind of pointing out 
how the ship seems too built around comfort and leisure. Because I've yeah. always had a problem with how yeah. the bridge in this series just looks like an Ikea showroom. <laughs> yeah. chairs, everything's beige. And I was like, yes, finally someone's you were saying like, it. I'm yeah, I agree with Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> I would have murdered Riker. <laughs> but, but then, the, as you said, the episode does, as it gets into the stuff with his brother, like the, the style changes a bit. And there's some really well shot scenes that are really moodily lit, like between Kern and Worf. When they're in that room and it's kind of really low lighting and there's just mm. bits of red here and there. And I was like, this looks really cinematic because most of the time everything on the bridge is very brightly lit. Yeah, well, yeah. well, well, we're going to talk about the inner light, but the final scene of that, like once you get into the quarters, like they, they do play a bit more of the yeah, actual yeah. lighting schemes, a bit nicer. Yeah, it looks um, great. But um, yeah, I think, and then you finally get to go to the Klingon homeworld, which is, uh, you know. Which is filmed in Oceana Portsmouth. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was really surprised by how shit it looked. Do you know what I mean? Like, I thought they've got loads of money and then there was that big thing of that castle that looked really impressive and then they were just like, oh, it's just a black box room that they've filled with weird shit. <laughs> but that might just be my cynical Well, no, I, did, I, I agree. I think that establishing kind of, I presume, is a model shot. No, it's a map painting. Like, yeah. It was a map painting? Yeah. Fucking hell, that's really good then. Yeah. That's really the Klingon. Yeah, homeworld, there's though. obviously like, there's some animation going on there. Cause yeah, there's changes and they mm. change the, the thing, but that's just different glass layers. You know, they can. Mm. Well, I think that's very impressive. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, actually, that's an interesting thing in terms of you know, this episode was originally broadcast in 1989 or 1990? 1990, probably. Yeah, like, really? Yeah, yeah, because it started, this show started in 1987. So, what did you But yeah, I do think, I mean, especially obviously they've uh, cleaned it up for like HD and everything like that, but it's like it's all the original effects and everything Mm. like that. And I do think it looks massively impressive Mm. for a showman at its time. I would have said like, yeah, late 90s kind of Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that's what I thought. Well, making 26 of these a year as well, so like Mm. the schedules are amazingly tight, and like to do new effect shots, they had to plan them so far in advance. Um, you know, and then they, in the case of reusing footage and stuff like that, but this one has like new shots, definitely of all this, all the stuff you're seeing. Um, and I think there's an awful lot. Of, you know, you can tell, tell the production value by how they got enough extras, and they do kind of fill out the Klingon thing because they got to make all those costumes as well. I don't think they had enough. In, they had to make something yeah. new for this one. Deep backgrounds, just a bloke in the yeah. yeah. They've got to have enough people to circle uh, yeah. Worf at the end. Yeah. Like, yeah. We were Turn talking about him, yeah. funny moments earlier on the episode. Am I the only person who literally lost their shit? At Picard saying later data. Oh yeah! yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I literally died. <laughs> like, I was like, they have to have realised that was funny at the time. Yeah. Like, especially uh, when delivered by Pete. That's the thing. It's like with PG's delivery as well. They had to know what they were doing. Like, yeah, yeah it's so funny. Another thing I realised about this is just the relationship between Picard and and Worf. Yes. Because you know he's a guy sticks out from Worf and. Uh, you know, and the honour he gives him, like, by, by being his second, Chadich, like, yeah. um, you know, is just very moving, I think, you know, and, you know, he's um, almost, like, can't believe Wolf's going to, like, just take that blame on himself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also kind of, there's another good episode which we're doing as well today, which is the drumhead at the end, you know, we've got a bit more of their relationship, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, it's quite nice to kind of see those two, like, yeah, right. so I didn't realize how well they were written together yeah. until I kind of rewatched them recently. These I really like episodes where Picard 
does stuff sort of outside of his Starfleet duty, but just for being a mate. And he's always like, you feel like he's in Worf's corner and the amount he goes to to investigate what really happened and stuff. He's like, I want the car. Well, he's a, the most noble character in all of fiction, in my opinion. And the fact <laughs> it's just, you know, the fact he goes like investigating on the Klingon homeworld, like this one human just sort of goes undercover, you know, with his. All he's got is a cloak. <laughs> it's all he needs. Yeah. <laughs> I probably would have picked someone a bit harder, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this episode, like you say, the, the relationship between Worf and Picard is really well drawn and actually feels like in Star Trek First Contact, which, uh, Joe, I believe you saw and at the time praised as your favourite film of all time. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Star Trek First Contact, there's that huge blow-up between Picard and Worf, isn't there? Uh, where Picard calls him a coward and Worf's like... I Kill you where you stand if you weren't my captain or something like that. Oh, yeah. And literally, yeah. but it goes um, that there's so much, like, you know, history there. Like, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean in terms of that mm. makes that scene resonate even more now because yeah. it doesn't actually, I, it makes me realize, oh, that seems great in the film, but it doesn't come out of the blue. Mm. This It's ingrained in all this stuff, like from early on in the series, which is actually really impressive um, for a show that often we talk about being very kind of isolated. In its yeah. episodes, whereas you know this is really the beginning of. Uh, funny you used to say it, Matt. You were talking about kind of you know arcs in the show. I'd say this is probably, apart from maybe the Borg aspect, probably the biggest arc on the show. The Klingon yeah. whole build to the Klingon Civil War aspect because they this builds over quite a lot of episodes. Yeah. Like you know, it gradually reaches. And it's actually the, the guy who plays Worf has been in more episodes of Star Trek than any other because he goes and becomes a regular in the next mm. show they start to do. So at the end of the completion of this one, they did what he did one film. He joins the cast of the mm. other show. They that runs for so he joins like season four. Yeah, they do another till seven. Yeah, seasons and they had to because they did more films with the Enterprise. Mm. They had to keep on finding a reason to bring him back on the crew. <laughs> he just works somewhere else now. And then, He's and, now in catering. And, <laughs> and, uh, it became more and more tenuous. Like you know, they just have to be like, oh, Mister Wolf, what are you doing here? <laughs> I think that literally is a line. And uh, you know, so that it kind of undercuts like this. this all this dramatic kind of thing about building him towards it because I. I've never seen Deep Space Nine, and I understand that like his character goes, you know, really interesting places later on as well. So I feel like that's why I'm doing this. I'm vesting now, re- revisiting him, and uh, be excited when he comes back. Yeah, he must have got very acclimatized to face sweat. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Ooh. I mean, I can't imagine because, like you say, he's in more episodes than anyone else. Michael Dawn, I must have gone through hell, and it's so work. bright. Yeah, 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 yeah. The flood lit like and you yeah, don't hardcore. see a bead of sweat on his head because it can't get through the veins. That's acting. It's pooling in his shoes. He like, must uh, have the world record for most amount of time spent in a makeup chair, right? Because it's well, Doug Jones spent his entire life in makeup. Oh, that's <laughs> true. But I mean, for all these episodes. Yeah, that's right. true. Exactly. I mean, like uh, obviously, the, the guy who plays Crichton, Robert Llewellyn in Red Dwarf, has done it for a great number of years, but far fewer episodes. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a period of his life where he's had more time with makeup on than off. Quite possibly. It's going to be quick if you just go to bed on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> After a night out, yeah, it looks all dishevelled. <laughs> But we talked about the first big twist, but there's more twists to come in the episode, isn't it? Because the whole crux of it is, is that uh, Kern has turned up because, um, you know, their father has been dishonoured. Uh, yeah. Because he, Romulan, as a Romulan traitor, uh, but actually they believe it not to be true. And they find out that it's actually bollocks, it was all big cover up. 
And so it, that's another twist in terms of like, you know, you think he's going to defend his honour and actually he might find out that his you know, dad really was a traitor and actually mm. he isn't. And then the fact that the way that gets resolved is surprisingly well, that's downbeat. Well, it is really downbeat. And it's a great ending where you have like, you know, the truth is outed. They talk to the in-person, to the, um, the, the judge essentially and present the evidence where it's the testimony of somebody who was there at the time, the kind of maid. And, you know, they have the information, but, like, to reveal it would, would cause a, a Klingon civil war split, mm. wouldn't it? And um, well, so, well, um, we, They were right, because <laughs> it eventually does. So yeah, yeah, the truth will out, isn't it? You know, and so there's some really good episodes that kind of fall on from this where that gets explored a bit more. But, yeah, like, for, for, you know, Picard is, like, in condescending. like, this is the truth, it must be heard. What does this say of an empire who holds honour so dear? You will not execute a member of my crew, nor will I turn his brother over to you. I will die for the Empire. Lieutenant, the challenge will be silent! <laughs> you know, Orphite like, puts him in his place, it's like, you know, you're not my captain right now, you know, you, you forget yourself, <laughs> You sir. forget yourself. Yeah. Get your place. It was, it was that jump between how, if you make this challenge, he's going to be killed, and then they kind of took him in a room and were like, oh, we could just say you're just... Dis, dis continued to work. Yeah. That, I wish yeah. that that was. Yeah. When was that ever an option before? <laughs> yeah. 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 What did he say? I he accepted discommendation to amount to admitting his father's guilt in exchange for the knowledge that you know will go undisclosed. So yeah, it's kind of a trade off. I think it's like it is a third option. Like it was basically if you're found to be gu- if your dad is guilty, then you're basically a dead guy, yeah, dead yeah, man. Yeah. Your whole because doesn't that mm. the fact that that happens almost just say to everyone else in the court? Yeah, he's yeah. he was right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's to save Kern, isn't well, it's, it? It's because well, he knows... Yeah, I think if you challenge it and it's found to be false, uh, or found to be the truth, then you're definitely forfeit. But if you kind of admit, no, yeah, you're right, the challenge is... Uh, I'm not oh, so he's that. basically withdrawing the yeah. challenge. Yeah, yeah, because they make it clear, don't they, that like you know, you're never going to win. It's not like we're going to admit what happened. We're not. So that means you and your brother are going to be put to death. So he's doing it to protect Kern, isn't he? Yeah. Because he's the older brother. And for a Klingon to accept like, dishonour, yeah, it's obviously a big, big thing. So I think it's showing, like you know, the Star Trek way, the Starfleet way of doing the morally right thing for the greater good, yeah, for peace as well. It's like that's how it's rubbing off on them. Yeah, for such a hard race of people, the Klingon burns in court are quite <laughs> weak. <laughs> that is a child's uniform. <laughs> that's offensive. Well, the person who throws the most shade is like the Klingon woman, isn't it? Who like she turns out and she throws shame. Yeah, yeah. Like, she, yeah, she throws, doubles down. Not only is she just like, oh yeah, he was too fat for me, and like Carl's like, hmm, only a ch- you shallow Klingon. Like uh, she sees him again, he's like still fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like still fucking fat, mate. He's like, yeah, because he's all like, oh, it's lovely to see you. And then she's just like, you're still fucking fat, fuck off. Like, yeah. If they zoom in on his face, he just sheds like a And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, did you as new viewers think that Worf was going to get killed in this episode at any point? I imagined not. Okay. That was my instinct that I went with. I okay. suspected that I wasn't sure, especially after that fight scene with his brother, I thought his brother could potentially... Yeah, that's a shock, isn't it, when he gets stabbed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The only thing I was thinking in that thing is, I love how the two attackers both have knives, and then he pulls out a knife, 
to defend himself and then fails to use it. His first two things he does after he pulls a knife are he kicks one of them in the ankle and then elbows one of them with the yeah. other hand that the knife's in and then he gets stabbed. It's like, well, of course that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. But uh, Worf is so badass in this episode, I think. Like, you know, from when he confronts his brother to the end when he fucking smacks Duros, he's like, no. Oh, that was some it serious... Was so it good. was like, um, it was like a RuPaul's Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's some real fucking. Well, I thought the court was going to be quite serious, and then the back slap happens. Like, yeah. of yeah. course, slapping's allowed. In court. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... yeah, no. The whole point we have this is to decrease the vibe. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was all super emotional, like super badass, like, and yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's a great pick, mate. I think yeah, it really, really, really strong episode for me. And the whole Klingon Civil War mm. arc has definitely been one of my favourite things from gener- Next Generation so far. Uh, because I feel like Next Generation, the kind of long-running arts are so few and far between yeah. that when they do come up, you're like, oh my God. Well, that's the thing. I wanted to pick well, one that could stand out its own, but also this is my, my this is all about a revisiting for me because this is something I watched growing up. Yeah, of course. And yeah. I saw them in all strange orders and that kind of thing. So I don't think I saw things like as they, as they probably went out. So my initial reaction would be go to pick an episode which was like a classic one-off, like yesterday's Enterprise would have been like probably one of a pick where, you know, it's a stone cold top five of all time classic and yet, you know, it doesn't really get like re- referenced again apart from like the Tashi R thing. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, a bit of a, bit of a you know, long shot. So for me to kind of, on this rewatch, to kind of just really find like Worf's whole journey really mm. exciting, I think that's why I chose it because I think it's, uh, it's going to make this whole revisiting a lot more. Yeah. Just and this episode was ranked second best by Screen Rant in 2019. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got a load of rankings. It was in the top 10 for Entertainment Weekly uh, of TNG episodes and the top 25 for Denny Geek and the top 10 for Nerdist. Like, so it's, it's definitely well, ranked. If it, if it takes, you know, you're talking about 45-minute teleplay, which, you know, you have, like, almost two, three distinct acts of this thing. It just feels yeah. really well-paced. Mm. There's intrigue, there's multiple twists, and there's a, there's a really killer of an ending. I feel like for 45 minutes of television, you can't... Look much better. Though. It's a proper conspiracy thriller, isn't it? Like, yeah, really, really good. Guys, as your first ever viewing of this episode and probably uh, TNG in general, what were your final thoughts? I liked it. I think there was a lot of background information that is kind of, as someone coming new to it to kind of absorb all that, uh, I did love the idea of that exchange program at the beginning. Like you were saying, <laughs> with the, comparing it to the French exchange. The thing is, that's the thing. In an exchange, you think come in at like a low level. Like you know, when we did the French exchange at school, they didn't come in and become the teacher. <laughs> so that was quite baffling at first. But I thought, that, like you said, there's quite a lot that happens in 45 minutes. Mm, mm. I was, the ending, I did like it. But I, for some reason, I wasn't expecting it to end there. I thought right. it was going to be like an extra bit on the end of it. And then as soon as the credits kind of... There are like, oh. five more episodes. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's like a whole thing. They just make up... Well, Star Trek continues. <laughs> um, what I, do you think, Jay? So I kind of... I, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can put, you know, from then to now, really. Like that bit at the end where that you think it's all going to get resolved and then they're going to find out and they're going to say, do you know what? We're going to make your father be innocent or whatever. And then they're like, actually, we can't say anything because this guy's from a really powerful family. And you're like, well, there's even Tories in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the episode's called Space Tories. 
<laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, there's been so many cover-ups in real life, haven't there? Where you know they want to kind of you know, cover, you know protect the reputation of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it just like it always does it out, but it just goes. Through. This happens too many times to like people in high places. You know, yeah. it's like you know the scandal was a bit too much, and you know it just feels like a great parallel for that. You know, using science fiction again to tell a real life story. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I think I think you're right. I mean, it is essentially an analogy for class because it's clear that kind of you know Worf and his family are considered kind of you know lower the, than the, uh, the yeah, yeah 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 exactly because yeah. they're less important. That's why there's oh well, we can't have the Duras family disgrace, but it's fine for your family to be disgraced. Yes, yeah. It was totally that analogy. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's uh, I think it's a great episode, and uh, I think we're all on the yeah. same page with that. Um, Matt. Next is your pick, which is The Drumhead, Season 4, Episode 21. Yes, this is one of the 25 I have seen. Um, (laughs) Quick synopsis. Uh, An explosion aboard the Enterprise leads to a high-level investigation headed by Admiral Nora Saiti, a retired officer renowned for her skill at exposing conspiracies. Saiti quickly determines that a visiting Klingon officer was attempting to smuggle diagrams off the ship, but the Klingon denies any involvement in the explosion. Sati refuses to give up on her investigation even after the explosion is proven to be an accident and she accuses Picard of treason when he challenges her charges against an innocent crewman. Why did you pick this episode? Uh, well, kind of like the previous episode, I do like episodes that get into like courtroom drama, basically. I think it's something that Trek continuously does really well yeah. uh, through the original series, from the ones we've seen there and, and in TNG, and I'm probably sure for the future series to come as well. Um, and this is another just great example of, like you know, Picard and stuff having the high ground in in uh, in an investigation. So it's it becomes less about the person and persons being charged, and more about the tensions between the two factions kind of doing the questioning. And I think that's a really interesting way to approach a another kind of conspiracy thriller, really. Um, and yeah, and just seeing the different ways that people treat the people being questioned and what comes out of it and what they choose to do from it. I think it just encapsulates a lot of what Trek is about from what I've seen and shows how these episodes that are kind of just people in rooms can still be really tense. I mean, I don't think any of us has really picked an episode that has like big battles or anything. And a few of the ones of those I've seen have been great. But yeah, something really stood out for me on this. So I went back to it. Cool, cool. Yeah, uh, this is written by Jerry Taylor. Uh, one of the creators of Star Trek Voyager, alongside Rick Berman and Michael Piller. And it's directed by Two Takes Frakes. Yeah. Uh, this is Jonathan Frakes, who also plays Riker in the show. Uh, this is the third episode he directed. Went on to direct two of the movies as well, and is now directing for Star Trek Discovery. Um, I, I mean, Frakes, for me, is one of the best of the Star Trek directors. Like, yeah, he is constant, so yeah. good at it. Like, it really is. Considering he started out as an actor, he just took to directing like Duck to Water like right from the start. Do you know what season episodes. his first directed episode is? I think it's three, okay. I think. Like, he directed two before this, so I think that's season three. I think it might be The Offspring, actually. Is his yes, The Offspring is his first episode, which is a great episode, which is the one where Data has a, has a daughter. And, I mean, straight out of the gate. That's a, that's a great one. Yeah, um, I've seen, yeah. So he's done very, very well. Uh, guys, the kind of first impressions going into this? 
Again, I swear there was a bit at the beginning of the episode. I, I didn't really come to fruition, but I swear right at the beginning they mentioned another exchange yes. program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's probably all these three episodes with exchange programs. We've seen two of them. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really it's not weird. just this. We swear. <laughs> well, yeah, this was so weird because when I watched, like, went back to watch these episodes in chronological order, I suddenly realised because I'd seen both the episodes before, but not side by side, that I was like, shit. To Alex and Joe, yeah. this will seem like this <laughs> yeah. episode happened directly yeah. after. Because yeah. so well, all the stuff they're talking about, they're directly yeah. referencing all the way through the episode at the events yeah, of the yeah. last episode you watched, which is so rare yeah. for a Star Trek Next yeah. Generation. Yeah, usually you, those are such collector's items where they kind of like reference anything at all. Yeah. Ones. And yeah. it's not like this episode is part of that arc either. Right. It just so happens that they play those elements into this because it works for this episode. So I was like, Jesus, this is actually a really perfect episode to carry on. Well, I, th- I, th- I thought it was deliberately done in that way. Right, okay. that. But then also I was like, I mean, the, the last exchange program went so well. <laughs> yeah. They got on with everyone yeah. so well. Let's just do that again. <laughs> Have you not learned your lessons? <laughs> I appreciate keeping relations open, but come on. <laughs> Let's just be pen pals. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Well, I love the opening with Worf uh, taking all this shit from the Klingon because obviously he's now got this status as like you know complete son of a traitor and everything like that and I, he's obviously stewing like until they get in the they get alone then suddenly Wolf like just beats the shit out of him it's amazing <laughs> like yeah there's no cameras in the turbo lifts <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't realise he was so for of security guard he knows where the angles are <laughs> yeah like, so that I found that quite strange it's like this Wolf he's head of security and you're like well yeah he looks like head of security but it's like why do you need a fucking bouncer like who are you inviting onto the ship what was he click on to this day the bloody exchange program <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have a job <laughs> he got one of those clickers yeah. the season finale is just the final boss coming via the exchange program <laughs> yeah. stop inviting them on <laughs> oh, we've got a big guest star in this episode yeah. which is Gene Simmons oh, as uh, Nora uh, Satie multiple Academy Award nominee mm. and Golden Globe winner uh, for her role in Guys and Dolls. That's quite a... Like, I you know, thought it was a different I, Gene Simmons. I thought you meant the guy from Kiss. I was yeah. like, I completely missed that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the clean one. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, no. yeah, I mean, she is obviously Verinia and Spartacus. Yeah, she's in Spartacus uh, as well. My yeah. favourite performance of hers is, is at Elmer Gantry, where uh, opposite uh, Burt Lancaster, um, where she's like a um, sort of a televangelist before they're televangelists, you know, which is sort of like a um, in the, the tent revival circuit, you know, right. of the forties, you know, going around like the, the American South or whatever. Yeah. And uh, Burt Lancaster's like this um, travelling kind of salesman who basically sees as obviously money made in this game and like becomes like her publicist. And sort of like promoter and that kind of thing, and just like being her, well, basically the compare for her, and it becomes this amazing kind of like thing where they're in this together in this racket, but you know, obviously um, annoying the local kind of clergy wherever they go because they're, they're so popular. Tonight I feel gloriously happy, and I want you to feel happy too. We're gonna sing together, laugh together, rejoice together like carefree children of a happy God. We're going to rejoice that inside of us lives the veritable spirit of the everlasting, redeeming Christ Jesus. Belched? See how many of those dear people can match my bountiful gift with their own offerings. 
You darlings can't make milk, and God just won't make money. <laughs> it's a really good film, I think. Uh, not 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 seen enough, to be honest. What's that? What's oh, Elmer Gantry. Oh, Elmer Gantry is what it's called. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have to check that out. But yeah, she's in this is basically the... What, what, what ha- Explain what happens in this, Matthew. So there's an explosion in, in like the engine room, basically, and they suspect sabotage. And so they bring in her as kind of like a head investigator, and she's got a real reputation for kind of rooting out conspiracies. She's like Michael Moore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she comes with a documentary crew. Uh, and then as things go on, things things start coming out that there's some kind of conspiracy. I love the whole idea, because one of the first things they find out is that people have been smuggling out information via like injected amino acids. Like Wolf does this big explanation of like, oh, people have been taking information and coding it into liquid, injecting into bloodstreams and getting it off the ship. I was like, that's pretty cool for both. Yeah. Um, and then, so they start interrogating people about, you know, who's responsible. And then as it becomes clearer that the explosion's like more of an accident and not sabotage, she's just really hard on trying to uncover something that might not be there. Well, that's the whole thing, isn't it? It becomes very clear quite fast that it was just a total accident. Actually, the Klingon, what he was doing is something completely unrelated. So they've got him, and now like that's sorted, and they're like, well, we've got him for that, yeah. and the other thing is, is sorted anyway because it was an accident. But by this point, through their investigation, they've come across uh, Simon Tarsis, played by a very young Spencer Garrett, um, recently in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. of course. Oh, really? Uh, playing that? He plays the guy... I think he's in the first shot. He's the guy interviewing uh, Rick Dalton and oh, right, okay. uh, Brad Pitt's character. To my right is Bounty Law series lead and Jake Cahill himself, Rick Dalton. And to my left is Rick Stutt double Cliff Booth. So, Rick, uh, explain to the audience exactly what it is a stunt double does. Actors are required to do a a lot of dangerous stuff. Cliff here is meant to help carry the load. Is that uh, how you describe your job, Cliff? What, carrying his load? Yeah, it's about right. (laughs) So he's super young in this, and yeah, by this point they found out that he had a Romulan grandfather. Yeah, Is that so right? it kind of does the thing that 12 Angry Men, the film does uh, really well, where it kind of, you know, they present something and some people latch onto it as proof or something, but when you look into it Just deeper... Just by association. Yeah, yeah. you can do it deeper and it's something else. So he, Spencer Garrett, acts proper shady as if he's guilty and they latch onto that, but really he's, you know, ashamed of his Romulan heritage. Mm. And that's what he's hiding, and so it's like, you know, there's a reason... Hiding. There's a scene between Picard and Worf, I think, which highlights it really well, where I can't remember which one of it is. I think it's Picard that's saying, like, oh, yes, all of this may be bad, but it's not a crime. It doesn't infer guilt. We can't look at it as such. Yeah, it's Picard. They're talking about the classic argument that a lot of people in the kind of, you know, uh, legal system are going, oh, if you've got nothing to hide... Yeah what are you afraid of kind of thing like you know so a lot of people when miscarriages they were, of justice yeah well they were so like you know, <laughs> random stop, people who encourage things like random stop mm. and searches and stuff like that are just going and it's very much that is the um, ideology that's used in terms yeah. of yeah it's like well what's the problem like, it can you know, be what, you know that's it this can be manipulated into be whatever it wants to be of course so it's like you know you can just make him guilty just through like you know circumstance yeah because yeah. you, know, you can be convicted on circumstantial evidence you know if, if the jury so yeah. desires it's a form so, of profiling in space it's like you know because he's he's you know ashamed of his heritage maybe for good reason but they're saying this oh obviously if you're 
dad whoever's a Romulan then you are evil scum and it's yeah. like that's not the case which is what Picard is arguing against yeah. in that scene and I think that scene is so so powerful because I think Picard's words have just like because he literally says like when Worf just goes oh what's you know what's the problem like you know we have to and he says something like oh and he explains to him like you know he's like we can't do this like yeah these are people's freedoms you yeah. can't as soon as you start taking them away yeah. that's it we're done and I, I think Sadie's such a great antagonist to the episode because there's a whole scene where she kind of you know gives a bit of a backstory and says like you know I've got seen family in years I've got no friends this is kind of all I do like I'm very much mm. my father's daughter mm. and she's just someone who's entire purpose is to do her job really well and that's kind of consumed her a bit it's kind of the private school excuse yeah. I've never lived at home you know I've been independent for years <laughs> who cares you're rich well there's the whole thing is it the Picard he didn't know her father he studied her father's work yeah. didn't he yeah. Like, yeah he's like he's like I have a degree in your father actually what do you have like, um, and I I think this is such a good script man like I really like this is one where I look yeah. at it, uh, I mean, I was kind of fascinated by it by the first time I watched it, but this time even more so, where I was kind of, I stopped writing notes at a certain point just because I just wanted to take in every word kind of thing that was there. And I do think it's one of those scripts that kind of transcends, like, the entire franchise yeah. in a lot of way to become something, like, so, so mm. deep. It's, but sadly, like, it just is always going to be very uh, important, like, you know, allegory mm. to make because it's like, you know, we've got the Huac hearings of the communist witch hunt, but, you know, now today, where, you, you know, people, any association to, like, you know, their, their ethnic background or Muslims, yeah. you know, they're kind of uh, already kind of guilty by association. Mm. And I think there was a great, the, the final lines is where... Um, uh, Mr. Wolf was very unhappy, you know, with, that he sort of. I did not see what she was. He goes, Mr. Wolf, villains who twirl their moustaches are easy to spot. Those who clothe themselves in good deeds are well camouflaged. I think after yesterday, people will not be so ready to trust her. Maybe. But she or someone like her will always be with us, waiting for the right climate in which to flourish, spreading fear in the name of righteousness. Vigilance, Mr. Wolf, is the price you must pay continually. Mm. And um, yeah, I just think that like, sums this episode up with, uh, you know, what. Yeah. And I love the scene where he kind of, where Picard explains the drumhead kind of analogy, the idea that drumhead's kind of a, an old form of reactionary justice where people would just be dragged in front of. A, a drumhead in the middle of combat mm. or whatever and just be tried then and there it's kind of like the uh, frontier justice speech from Hateful Eight to go back to Tarantino again it's just yeah. like well we tried them that's one way and well it's <laughs> the crazy thing of how fast it escalates mm. of like you know first you, you kind of even though you think it's unfair you can kind of see why they've landed on targeting Spencer Garrett's character kind of thing but then as soon as Picard goes Oh well, you know this is this is not on, guys. They're like, right, we're investigating you now. Like, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. like, it, making the thing of anyone who stands against yeah. the authority. The machine, yeah, the yeah, machine. Yeah. It's basically once what it wants, and it's like if you stand in the way of it, you with us or against yeah. us. Yeah, and yeah. that's the kind of thing. And they like, are kind of just using which because they have the guy who I guess is like Troy, who can like the human lie detector bloke in the room. Yes, and yeah, they yeah. kind of go very much off what he says, but Picard says, oh, you know, if it was Troy, I'd listen to what she said, but maybe I would actually. <laughs> look at the other facts first and they're like, mm. oh no, this guy. 
Thank God we don't have people like that now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's really reactionary. If you don't agree with me, then you're wrong. You know. Well, I think that's the scary thing, isn't it? I think you know this episode stands up as well now as it did then because of Probably those more, things. Yeah, yeah even, even more so in terms of... Because I think, really, when this was written, hmm. I think it was in a time where a lot of people... So this would have been like 91 or whatever, this would have gone out. And I think a lot of people thought we were kind of beyond this stuff mm. then. Mm. And, you know, we've proved to ourselves in the last couple of years that, no, we are not. <laughs> like, yeah, no, just, no like, way. Well, not like, we had the Gulf War in America, would have felt like, oh, we finally won something and, you know, mm. we did it for the right reasons. And, uh, uh, you know, but then it's amazing how history judges all of that again. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, so, no, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I felt quite kind of depressed watching it to be honest um you know i don't know if it had that effect on you guys it was you almost could have had it as a longer it was quite a lot of content to fit into that yes. length of the episode yeah because i the one thing i did think was like because like you said it escalates quite quickly they've got the explosion they find then they're grilling that guy and then it just escalates so quickly to suddenly picard's on trial yeah yeah and yeah. it escalates so quickly and then de-escalates <laughs> so quickly as well yes, you could have almost does. had yeah. that bit longer yeah and then more kind of stuff happens around that bit yeah. well, it's the it's the 12 angry men scene where you know they finally out the guy outs himself as like a racist mm. and you know they all start turning them back on him so they so basically Picard's reaction turns her you know to the point where everybody can see mm. straight through this and just go, yeah, yeah, oh my god we've gone too far so yeah it does have to resolve itself rather quickly but yeah. I think it takes its cue from a very yeah. good film to do that I think yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's it's kind of taking the stance, isn't it? She's a random, crazy, like, person who is kind of bringing everyone along with her and people can easily follow dangerous figures going. Yeah. Like, yeah, because as soon as she stands up and makes herself look like a complete loon, everyone, like, yeah, the guy next is like, hmm, uh, perhaps we will adjourn, like, yeah. <laughs> and then within, like, you know, by the next scene, they're like, oh, they've called it all off. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, I love how that guy... He managed to call the case off without saying a word. Just <laughs> yeah. silently stood up and walked out the room. Yeah. Like, oh, well, yeah. I, guess, I guess that means the case is over then. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that guy. Because who, who is that character? And he's like just a, a, admiral, isn't a, he? a really head yeah. Starfleet person. Yeah, he's just very much like. I'm embarrassed for. Like, I'm going to get a Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> and what I did like was. They actually, and I was really glad you guys had seen the previous episode for this because, like I said, they do bring up mm. the whole Wolf's past yeah. thing, and I thought this is quite a clever thing because the audience knows that Wolf's father was not a Romulan collaborator and everything like that. However, they use it against him in the courtroom. Oh, we're really going to listen to the son of a Romulan collaborator going like, you know, and of course, like we know, like, well, that's not true. Mm. But within the context of the show, yeah, that's the narrative that's been started. that amazing bit where Worf is kind of like biting to say something and it has that shot, but Khan kind of looks at him being like, mm. yeah, 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 don't do it. Khan finally, you know, when, when she's turned the screw in him, it looks like he's, he's, you know, down for the count, really. You know, mm. she has him, like, you know, with all the things you can point to to say, well, you're a traitor. Yeah. But, like, he puts his head in his hands and then comes back with what, you know, it's the kind of thing that people wish they could say after they've left the building <laughs> and yeah. they go, damn it, I should have said that. That's the perfect response. But he just gives just the most withering kind of, like, point mm. that she died by quoting her own father against her who was a famous justice himself. 
uh, and a beacon of mm. like you know um, even-handedness and fairness and mm. uh, all the rest of the things that she claims to stand for but has obviously fallen far from that and speaking of face in hand that is one of the two classic uh, Picard face palm gifts it's, yeah I yeah. thought I yeah, recognised yeah, yeah. it I tried to like google it but then I just kept on getting all the other ones but that is one isn't yeah, it yeah yeah, yeah yeah I thought so yeah if you just yeah and, and like twitter gifts just in the actual face palm category there's the, the one from the other one but then there's yeah that one because he's got the the blue stuff. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I mm. that. It's I, coming. I thought I thought I recognised that. Yeah. So is that why we missed the bus then, Alex? They also bring up, they reference a lot of the stuff with the Borg, everything with mm. Picard. And again, that's kind of bringing oh, yeah. back old stuff. So you, I mean, would you guys have really got what that was about at all? I, I got the gist of what that was. Well, but no, but yeah. Just like, with, like the other thing as well, like the, the big... The, the Romulan reveal from Tarsus. Yes. Like, yeah, that, that wasn't a good thing. Yeah, yeah, but well, like, that's the thing. You wouldn't really know the history with the Romulans. It, it's the same with the last episode. They're like, he was a Romulan collaborator. So, it's like, well, I guess that's bad. It's like yeah. if someone doesn't really know football and her, and he used to play for Nottingham Forest. <laughs> like, the way I'm saying that, you know, that's not a good thing. Yeah. But I knew that was, I knew Romulan wasn't a good thing, but I didn't have any context of as to why. <laughs> Paul, Matt, have you got anything else to say about it? Well, I've, Matt hadn't picked it up, I might have done. That's why I say it's a really great A episode. It's yeah. Just brilliant. Yeah, I think I've, I've pretty much said everything. It's, yeah, I just really love all the tensions and everything it says about uh, the characters. And it's, uh, yeah, solid. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think it's way beyond solid for me. It's absolutely fascinating script. I think it's beautifully written. Uh, I, I genuinely would watch it again right now in terms of because I just think it's incredibly engaging mm. um, really just super smart writing uh, I just think it, I really think it's a standout episode guys what did you think I liked it I was a particularly big fan of the character that doesn't say anything the the note taker the whole time <laughs> yeah, the yeah. facial expression she makes that's like that's like the guy what was it Claude Littner on The Apprentice when they're going around marking those chants the faces she makes she is not she is not impressed by the whole thing <laughs> she was not impressed in one scene where then um, some, she was walking with someone and then they went off with someone else and she just stood there looking down the hallway and it's like no one does that just carry on like, oh sweet a break she literally has a break from taking notes uh, yeah I thought yeah I thought it was yeah I thought it was good yeah. Okay, good. Excellent, concise summation. (laughs) (laughs) Right, on to my pick, uh, which was The Inner Light, uh, which is season five, episode 25, written by Morgan Gendel, uh, who wrote a couple of other uh, Next Generation DS9 episodes, um, alongside uh, Peter Allen Fields, uh, who's mostly a writer for DS9. He wrote Duet. Oh, which is a great episode, but he also wrote In the Pale Moonlight, which is generally considered by most people to be the best Deep Space Nine episode. And this is generally considered by most people to be the best TNG episode. So he has done very well. Um, And directed by a guy called Peter Lauritsen. Uh, He He was a producer on the show, but honestly, basically, yeah. I think uh, I've read some other kind of people sort of say, oh, like, this one would be even better if it wasn't for Lauritsen doing directing. Yeah, that wasn't his thing. It just kind of felt everybody else was doing it. I need to have a go. Um, but I, I have no problem with the way this is. No, I think all. I think yeah. it's directed well. Um, Matt, have you got a little plot? Uh, yeah. So in this one, Picard is struck unconscious by an energy beam from an alien probe. While minutes pass for the rest of the crew, the probe makes Picard experience forty years of lifetime as Cayman, the humanoid scientist whose planet is threatened by the nova of its sun. 
So I feel this is a kind of classic setup um, that they have with a lot of kind of shows of this nature, where a character wakes up seemingly from a dream, and the entire series that we've watched has been a dream, or that's what we're meant to believe. Um, but they actually managed to do something so different with this, which I think is really commendable. Um, I picked it because I think it's an amazing character study for Picard, and because, as probably regular listeners will know, the thing that sells me on stuff more than anything is if you can get me emotionally. And I've got to say, Star Trek is obviously sometimes at risk of being quite a cold franchise well, next sometimes. generation particularly yes is, like was very technical about technical heavy in a lot of other episodes you know i don't think you've got actually any of these three but there's often like whenever they're dealing with something science fiction they'll you know have the engineer like you know using the word you know the sort of world research kind of like science science, science of the day yeah. science battle but it would be like talking like in tongues you won't understand any of it but then mm. somebody else will come and make an analogy like Future armor, like once pr- proved, like too many, uh, too much air in a balloon. Yeah, and you're trying to, oh, I get it now. But um, you know, they, that kind of puts a lot of people off when you have people sounding, mm. you know, making all this kind of engineer speech. So to have an episode that's kind of free of all that, yes, because this is such different. a human story. Yeah, and you know, I, to be fair, I think all three of the episodes we picked actually are emotional, have do emotional centers, which I think is quite different for Next Generation in a lot of ways. And this, you know, is is. The most emotional for me because I mean I think they tell such a concise like character arc uh, with Cayman over one episode, um, and I think it really works as a rock solid sci-fi concept character study done in one, um, which is why I picked because I think anyone could watch it without because n- I don't really feel you actually have to have knowledge of Picard in this episode because the whole thing is he becomes essentially another yeah. person and then you get to see their actual character life and like 80% uh, of it is on that yeah character. all you need to realise is basically to him he lived like this entire life as a person and to everyone else he didn't and I think you kind of get that straight away did you get that from this? Mm. so it reminded me of um, once I had a dream that I did an entire shift <laughs> and, then, and then I woke up and had to go to work. So it kind of reminded me of And that. you played a flute on the weekend. <laughs> I was married and I had children. Um, but yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't, usually don't. I don't like things like this where they pass out and then there's another story. But yeah, it was. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, because it is quite a cliched. Thing, I isn't loved it? the clothes they put him in <laughs> from the start to yeah. the end, and his little bits of hair. <laughs> just like every time, I was just like, "Oh, they've gone with the hair again." It's like as if he wouldn't shave his head like he yeah. normally would. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first time jump, well, the second time period, he's looking very Larry David. Yeah. 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 Well, the yeah. thing is, is the old man makeup is quite cool. oh. inferior in this. <laughs> That's literally one of my notes. There says prosthetics on an old. Because <laughs> like, he's not only getting old, his face is like his the, the bone on his eyes. They're getting his face is getting longer. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's meant to be like 30, 40 years older than now. And now 30 or forty. And, and now we're in that time of reality, and we Patrick know Stewart looks better than this. That's the thing. I was, you know, what I thought of immediately when I was watching those scenes where he was getting really old. Yeah. I thought of Gemini Man starring Will Smith. Yeah. Well, obviously, the entire concept of that is meant to be that there's a young Will Smith and there's Will Smith now and the young Will Smith who they've created through uh, computer technology um, 
does not look like young Will Smith because we all know as an yeah, audience yeah, yeah. what young Will Smith looked like. Yeah. He looked like the Fresh Prince. Yeah. And the young Will Smith in this doesn't look like that. He looks how you would imagine. Just like Han. But it's the thing if you he looks how you would imagine young Will Smith to look now if you didn't know because Will Smith now is quite beef, quite kind of like hedgy. He's like, you know, and you think, oh, yeah, okay, so that's a young him. Whereas actually, he used to be this really gangly, like, thin, wiry guy. And I was like, it should literally be the Fresh Friends. We yeah. should be able to go, you could take him and pop him in an episode of Fresh Friends. Yeah. Like, the fashion isn't too far away from what it was on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas in this, this thing of now, watching it back now, we have the knowledge of what... Uh, Patrick Stewart looks like now yeah. and we know he looks way he's never going to look that old they should have so. just realised he was going to age great and just added a few wrinkles but like it's yeah. 40 years later don't worry about it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he's not only aged he like turned into a troll <laughs> <laughs> well yeah especially when he's at like, what point did he get cursed yeah <laughs> he's a bit like his Ebenezer Scrooge kind of yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking because he played Ebenezer Scrooge and like that, that was he could have done it well basically he looks like Jim Carrey's version of Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes, yeah. Uh, by the time he's crawling along the floor. Like, <laughs> After his poor grandkid. <laughs> he's like, come oh, yeah. here. The thing this episode starts to remind me of is, for a, a niche reference point, that issue of Sonic the Comic, which is quite oh, infamous because it's called Sonic the Human. And it's a story where he wakes up and he's, and Sonic, you know, the blue hedgehog, is this human boy. Uh, you know, a 90s rendition of what a teenage boy would like, so very punk. And it's he's horrifying. like poochy. <laughs> he's very poochy, yeah. And it's horrifying because it's just like he's got this weird black mohawk and little beady eyes. And he wakes up and he thinks, oh, I've got to get back. What's going on? And his mum's there going, what are you on about? You're not a hedgehog, you're a boy. And it, so it starts trying to convince him. My mum always told me that. <laughs> and then towards the end, he has to realise, no, this is a dream. And he breaks out and he's part of like a brainwashing machine. So in this, I thought it was going to be the planet was going to be trying to convince him oh yeah, no, you're not Picard, you're, you know, Cayman and all this, and then eventually you have to break out and he's under some mind control, which is not too far off because he is just kind of unconscious the whole time. What's better, Inner Light or Sonic the Human? Oh, it's in, it's in a Light. <laughs> Sonic the Comic's got some top stuff. Big shout out to the Sonic the Comic podcast, yes. by the way, uh, which, I mean, does anyone apart from me and Matt remember Sonic the Comic? So basically, this was in the early 90s uh, where there was tons of licensed comics tie-ins, kind of things, you had comics and all that, the Thunderbirds, like wrestling, stuff like that. And I think in 1992 or 1993, yeah. uh, they launched Sonic the Comic, uh, which was basically, yeah, a anthology comic, uh, kind of like a junior 2000 AD kind of yeah. thing for based on all the video game characters. So Sonic was in the front, uh, but you also had uh, Shinobi, Chronicles of Golden Axe, uh, Streets of Rage, yep. Kid Comedian. Uh, Including all the... some of Mark Miller's earliest works. So yeah. He, he wrote yeah, yeah. some of the one-shot comic strips and the Streets of Rage arc. and Which is amazing. You can tell, because, yeah, it's like suddenly really adult and violent for a comic <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was great. And it, nothing... You still got a refresher bar on the front, right? <laughs> nothing, <laughs> this, That's yeah, what I'm in for. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like kind of rounded up this period of like midnight nostalgia for me. And it's something that I have memories of because I have all these comics. But recently I found this... You, do you still have them? I've still got them somewhere, oh I think. Like in an attic. But recently I found like a YouTube channel that kind of had digitised every uh, issue and put it all in. So I was kind of actually rereading it via this channel. And then this podcast started up and I was like, wow, there's, there's two other guys, presented by two other guys in their kind of 30s who obviously grew up on it. Issue by issue. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. going through every page, like the ads and the letters. Yeah, it's so detailed. It's such it's like a, a snapshot of early 90s life. And there's one recent episode where they mentioned the Sega World opening Bournemouth. 
mm. and how it was the... Whoa, whoa, they mentioned the Bournemouth Sega World. Yeah, right? it comes up in a letter or something, and it, it made news because it was only the second Sega World. Like the only other one in the out- world! <laughs> it was the only other one outside of London, I think. Right. Uh, and yeah, they mentioned a bit about it. I'm just like... Yeah, yeah there was a kind of Sega thing in the Chocadero, like in, uh, in yeah, London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh man, Sega World in yeah. Bournemouth. I mean, we're getting really niche now. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so, like, so yeah. yeah, when I saw this podcast had appeared, I was like, wow, I didn't think there was anyone else out there who remembered this or cared. But there you go. Well, they, they, they <laughs> care. Check it out. Check but it yeah, out. No, if you in, in a light, like, similar, yeah. but... Super that Sega World is the most 90s thing in existence. Because <laughs> uh, it's got the, uh, the, the bowling bowling uh, alley bowling, uh, carpet, and, and which is like, you know, your uh, Milky Way kind of like planets mm-hmm. and rings. Like, as far as I can see... Um, you know, we've got Ridge Racer probably there, and yep. uh, you know, anything basically sort of 1996 sort of time, isn't it? it? I, I looked it up after I heard about it being talked about, and it closed in like 2000 or 2001 as Sega World. It yeah. kept open as an arcade, but the branding went and it changed a bit and then shrunk a lot because a lot of what the Gala Casino is now was part of that. Segment. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, it went to a good home. Bournemouth history lesson here. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I do remember being in there a lot as Sega Worlds. So that must have been the 90s. Yeah, so. but I think probably House of the Dead probably was still there when it closed. <laughs> <laughs> the cockroach can't get rid of that. Daytona yeah. <laughs> 95. It's still good. But, yeah. So they keep the fake out going a little while, actually, because he wakes up, obviously, which is the pre-title sting. I mean, you know, it's about going to the... Uh, opening uh, title sequence I say yeah you know you're waking up for a dream but they keep that going a little bit which I liked because a part of me thought that actually going back to the ship would surely destroy the tension slightly because it immediately lets the audience know that oh well this isn't actually happened this isn't Mm. true um, but I mean, I suppose it's not the finale or anything, so you sort of know it's it's not going to be real. And actually, what it becomes is a really clever device for switching back to the ship and having a little update on what's going on there. And then whenever you come back, we've moved forward like another five or ten years kind of thing. Not like, much you know. happens on the ship, does it really? Well, they're just trying to wake him up, aren't they? So just going, hello. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, because when we first come back to um, came in on the uh, on the planet, it's like it's it's let forward five years, and we're like, oh shit, okay, so time's moving faster for him, mm-hmm. and then those time jumps obviously increase, 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 and we get to basically see yeah his whole mm-hmm. life, and the fact that he, what's really interesting is that five years on, he kind of clearly has fallen in love with like you know the wife and everything like that, but he's still struggling with living this new mm. life. Going, he's kind of like, yeah. what he's doing in his spare time, like building stuff in the garden or whatever. Like he's yeah. trying to do yeah, science yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff, right? We sort of become the Jarrell of his planet, hasn't yeah. he? Like Superman's father, because he's the one kind of warning yeah. against the yeah. future in terms of what's going to... Impending doom. He's like the Greta the Thunberg of that. He <laughs> <laughs> got his skin... Stuff on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're skin protector boy. That's why he ages so much because their sun's going nova. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dad, stop putting that on your face. Bleach. skin protector. He hasn't aged. It's just an allergic reaction. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a twist. Yeah. Like it's just ten days later. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and of course, as they go on, because obviously the first time they go, it's five years later. But actually, kind of one of the clever ways they show the passing of time is that he's learning to play this flute. Because when he first starts in the first thing, he, he can't play it. 
kind of thing, and then he's getting clearly a bit better, and that's what. Well, and then yeah, by the end, he's doing a full but, like recital. But I did love that because the first time it cuts back and it's that first five years later, he's still just like. You try learning in the flute boy Jacker, wasn't it? Like, so he's, 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 you already know, <laughs> okay. and then he, then he composes one for the yeah. Info. By the end, it's yeah. Whole was it Flo Jacker? Yeah, the first one he played. Oh, I, really? I, I, I was so confused. I was like, I thought it was Polly put the kettle on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was uh, what is love? <laughs> <laughs> it was the first thing you play on the recorder, <laughs> <laughs> like chopsticks for the piano. <laughs> yeah. You're right, I think there are a lot of red herrings here because I swear like a lot of the people he meets are trying to convince him to forget his old life. That's where I got the Son of the Human vibes because I was like, they're yeah. trying to make him abandon his past for sinister gains, but really that was kind of not really what it was about at all. Imagine, though, passing out and then waking up with a needy wife you didn't have before. Patient wife, five years she'll wait for you to kind of like, give up on the life. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's really snapping at her, isn't it? It's yeah. classic Picard way. Yeah, like, no, I'm not! <laughs> It's not my life. <laughs> I hate you. She was really, for, like, there's a couple time jumps. She's been patient over five, ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we have some kids yet? Because you're looking like you're about to die. <laughs> You've become the troll transformation. Did, did you get, like, the reveal? I mean, when they reveal exactly what has been going on, did you understand the show well? Did you have to rewind? Because I think it is quite a mind spinning yeah. like reveal you are like whoa 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 like, yeah, like. I kind of okay and this is me being okay I get it's a really nice idea the kind of they, they want their memory kind of but I also kind of thought they've gone to a lot of effort for that memory <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. like, I originally thought it was going to be because they've been wiped out I kind of thought originally the probe thing was bring him back because he's so clever to so kind of to save them yes yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. When, it, when, it, when you kind of find out it's just to preserve their memory I thought you've got for the fact you went to so much effort to do that but you didn't put the same effort to save your planet <laughs> 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 maybe it's a good analogy for what's happening right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to die we can't change yeah, yeah. that that's the cure we're remembered well because yeah. well, well, he can't like invent anything then clearly because like they wouldn't have known about these things yeah. so then it's the program they're creating in this like you know your vision you know you can't make anything they don't have because they mm, still have to mm. tell the story of what happens so he just has to kind of give over to the life that he's got really doesn't he yeah i mean i should say for kind of the um the audience so the basically the reveal is that yeah this planet died like you know long ago and they built this probe that they would fire up into the air and eventually it would find someone who they would interact with and basically go into their head and make them believe that they were like, you know, this cipher character came in and experience life on the planet through that, live an entire life. Yeah, know that we were once here. Yeah, in order to remember them. And to me, well, right, exactly what I was going to say. I thought it was really cruel in terms of, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, because... In his head, he he remembers that. He actually does think he lived that life. And mm. the whole thing is they convince him that, yeah, this is your life, mate. And I am your wife. And these are your kids. So he loved his wife. He loved his kids. Everything like that. That actually happened. And They're now all that all gets ripped away from him. And I was like, that is astonishingly... <laughs> 
yeah. cruel. Well, I, well, I think it, but it, it is played like well in the end. Though it is played very well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to take him some while to process that. You yeah, know, because yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, you're dealing forty extra years of memory that you've got to deal with, and you know. For 40 years, you haven't done your day job. I mean, mm. I'm, after I take a week off, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. After remembering everyone. But it's crazy that. that you could, like, you know, if you were going to miss an episode when this one's airing, you miss this one. You, you're essentially coming back and, to a and, show that has a completely different character because well, he's yeah. got an extra lifetime. I mean, they could have, like, covered that with one line from Dr. Crush saying, like, you know, the, the memories you've got, you've got, they will start to fade and kind of go in time. But, like, you know, you gain your former self in a bit but it bit. does still carry on doesn't it because the Cause comes back it, it does come back doesn't it to this idea later on in the series doesn't it I well I know the flute makes an appearance in there a couple of times but I'm right I don't okay. I, know, I can't recall them referencing like you know that extra life he's had except that it has changed him as a character because I think he's more you know about family like later on because it? it's always been yeah because we watched the pilot yeah. of the thing and in that it's very busy he hates kids hates family doesn't he he's like yeah, no, he can't believe they put him in charge of a shit that has families on it because he doesn't have any children and you know he's not interested in that yeah he's yeah yeah it. and i think that's what's so hard for him as well accepting the life of cayman is that you know to be stuck in one place to not to be able to look at the stars and not be able to go there mm. and um you know and then be forced to kind of just have the life he denied himself yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's why for me this episode is far more powerful than I think perhaps for the first time because I have that knowledge of Picard where he's come from and you know where he's up to that point um, and then you know to see himself kind of give over in the moment he says like I'm going to make the nursery I find that really really powerful like, mm. because it's just such a he would never have got to that point in his life he's gone past that point almost um, but the the ending scene I think is what makes it for me in terms of when he's left alone and he plays the flute and of course, he can actually play it, and we know he couldn't before. Yeah. So those memories and what he learned and everything he like mm. have retained inside mm. his head, and that shows you like, yeah, all did happen for him. Yeah. Because I think perhaps we do see a different card after this because he's more soft, softer. I think you also see by the end of the show that he looks to the crew as his family. Mm. And I don't want to spoil anything for the last episode, but I think you get a sense that you know he's like believes that you know. This is something he didn't do before, but now he's going to kind of like be more more part of that family rather than just being in command and sort of sort of I can't be friends or anything like that. You know, yeah. it's a very professional relationship. Now it's a personal one, and you and that goes into like when in generations where his his family died, like on in the fire. Yes, and it, yeah. and it affects him like terribly because he's like he he sort of sees his nephew as the person that you know um, you know something never had, and he could you know it's mm. great hopes for him. And then that's snuffed out. So I think those memories he had from Inner Light, you know, do affect him because he does say in the in, as came in like uh, you know, my true like love in life is my children and stuff like that. Or my happiest I've ever been, I believe. Is that he just say that at the party or? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, so. didn't know what true happiness was until. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's your own new fatherly feelings just going for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. Oh, uh, I always believed that I didn't need children to complete my life. Now I couldn't imagine life without them. There you go. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think, for me, I find it really gut-wrenchingly kind of, like, powerful. Um, the whole thing of that entire lost life that didn't happen to him it was real I just think that's a really kind of heady concept mm. and very powerful what was your guys thoughts on this I really I, I, I really enjoyed this episode okay um, maybe my favourite of the three oh 
Um, the bit I, so who is it? Riker that brings him the flute at the end that was found. Yes, on the ship? it's Riker. Yeah, that is a like the thing I thought about that was that like, he kind of brings it in as we found this on the probe, and he's making a massive assumption that that flute means something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, kind <laughs> he, goes, 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 he goes and silently walks out the room because you could have easily gone. Huh, isn't that mental? I'll chuck this in the bin. See what it <laughs> See it head forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes a massive assumption that that is going to mean something. Yeah, that's I'm very gonna, true. I'm going to give you and the flute a moment together. <laughs> yeah, he does try to just go like, oh, it seems like he's really emotional about the flute. Because if it didn't mean anything, can't I just be like... Yeah. <laughs> or if that was like a really traumatic... If that was another probe that they used like do you know like, that was yeah. a really traumatic thing don't fucking leave him with the thing yeah, 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 like, no not that not the flute <laughs> of your wife yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe what did you think um, yes I uh, enjoyed uh, the episode but I never, oh. I'm never going to be one of those people that like something where someone passes out at the beginning and you do the whole story <laughs> yeah. because for me I'm just like alright but why? I mean, it was what I did. Also, they didn't know anything about anything, and they were the planet was dying, and he knew all this stuff. And I'm like, just do the things that you know that you can do because you know because you're you're the captain of a spaceship, which is a job. They go, we're gonna let him see how he does. He's very good at acting, so we're gonna let him be. He's been to that. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's been to the academy. Use it. You know? <laughs> well, I suppose it's true because he does yeah. remember his memories, doesn't he? He tries to pitch stuff, and they say no, and he goes, "No, right, fair enough." <laughs> like, it's, it's a do the thing. Yeah, you need to be more. I, I just think it had to. There had to be an explanation just to give that because that is my the plot hole of it is that yeah. he has like this you know, warp drive. He knows how yeah. it works. Like he could build that. <laughs> Um, so I think they just need to say like this. There's no resources mm. on this planet. Yes. Like, well, yeah, we have yeah. sand and water, and not much of that. <laughs> like, in yeah. a way, it's not even real time travel, is it? Because he's, I guess, his conscious or his memory's gone back, but he is physically still in the future where the planet's fucked. So even if he, I don't think he could have any real bearings on mm. stuff unless it's saying yeah, it appears. In which case, when that planet blew up in the past, there was his kids on there, and he was on there. And now he's dead as well. No, I think like, I, I think know. I think the scientist who tried to like rail against it, like you know, was a real person, and it's him that they kind of like base this uh, character on. Yeah. So to say you best, you know, you were the best of us. Like you will find somebody out there that would understand yeah. this and kind of. Live so his lim- Picard's limits are his limits. But yeah, that's yeah. interesting because you know what I wasn't. I kind of got the impression that this character was like a made-up character mm. for him, like a cipher, like in terms of they would just go. He's just a well, like, no, vessel, and then you yeah. essentially create the character. Well, no, like, because uh, they say like, "Oh, you, what, you don't know about the launch." Like, you know, it's almost like they're saying like, "You mm. were the guy who kind of like this is all your work, your life's work is to get this launch yeah. happening." There's reference to this you know, guy. Just you were a bit senile, like, but I the, thought yeah, that yeah. was a reference in terms of because he's saying, "Oh, it's me." Like in terms of no, that happened before this because it's before they leave the house and they start like, right, 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 yeah. right. Oh, so you, yeah, it was a real guy, and he was him who came up with the launch, and then that went in. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought it was more a reference going like as if, yeah, it is him, as in it's Picard because he's mm. the guy the pro finds, yeah, and then like comes down. But yeah, no, I get, I get what you mean. But I think you know, the, the ballsy move would be actually just to have no basically have him the whole episode on that planet completely, yeah. I, 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 I just really right rely on the fact you know what the Star Trek information is, you know what Captain Picard is like, why is he in this room, and it just sort of you'll be more in the kind of like 
confusion of the, of the yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, that's and then going back and forwards, it just perhaps use the ad breaks as you're kind of skipping forward. Oh, you yeah. mean literally cut everything? Yeah, so it's yeah. like literally until the very until the very end. And that was how it was pitched to the producers, and they said we need to show more of the ship because people get really ill at sea with it. So you know, I think that's that's the that's the the cut. Like people demand their vitamins. Yeah, but what are? But maybe they should have done it so it's like the other characters were there or something like in terms of so he so we really were full in terms of the other characters like were there because somehow like the pro and then he imagines like the other people were on the planet looking like the other people yeah or I think they do that in Voyager like oh yeah, okay yeah, okay or, but I get yeah, what you mean yeah 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 in terms of because immediately you're like well no it's, it's probably not true because he's got hit with something and then woken up going yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, then the reveal of it's only twenty minutes is like more powerful at the end. Yeah, it, it, it does still work for me. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, hard, you know, it's absolutely one of my favorite episodes of all time. I, I love it. Um, did anyone else notice the really odd shaped bottle of mineral water right at the end on the table? <laughs> no. No, it was really thin. Oh, I, I think that was some Romulan ale because it was green. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, no, that's like half a glass's oh, worth sorry. of bad trek. It's Romulan's blue. Uh, <laughs> I got ahead of my card. I did notice the weird shape, like soup bowl, where it's like the ceramic bowl, but then there's just this j- massive jagged horn off one side. <laughs> yeah, just had a horn on it from the Viking show next door. Like, yeah, Matt, you, were you a big fan? Of yeah, you hadn't seen it. I hadn't before seen it. This no, yeah, 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 big fan, big, big fan of any Picard-centered episodes, and I, I believe Patrick Stewart has said it's his favorite as well. He has, yeah, um, yeah, like the other episodes we looked at, that, that it kind of flirts with a lot of. Uh, sort of big ideas and heavy themes and this is definitely kind of like a climate change parable decades before we started talking about mm-hmm. it properly because uh, the fate of the planet is kind of I don't know if it's their fault but they've obviously failed mm-hmm. to do anything about it so you know um, and yeah the time jump stuff it is really affecting I think it's able to focus in on what any given scene is doing if you're kind of jumping across so you can just get right to the heart of like what's happening in this time period, whether it's like, this is the moment he decides he wants kids, this is the moment when, you know, whatever. Mm. Uh, and it's easy to track of his family and everything. And, and I think the death of his friend actually is really, pe- you know, hurts, I think. Actually. Yeah, you know, like, I think... It's not the absolute thing. You, so you kind of, he hasn't known many people on this planet. It's like, you've got one person who's like, you're somebody to kind of talk with. Yeah, because he was like a patty. Bataille. Bataille, yeah. yeah. He's been he's, in loads of stuff, that guy. That guy, yeah, yeah I do recognise him. But yeah, yeah, he's, he's for like a single guest episode, he it does feel like you live a whole lifetime with that guy. And yeah, that friendship does feel real. Well, that's great writing, isn't it? To kind of like not make it feel very expositional and then you go back to these scenes and goes, oh, yeah. yeah. God, think about what's happened in the last 10 years. You know, this happened, that happened. It's like, you know, yeah. and still you're doing this. Yeah, because in a uh, sense... It's like, they don't have to say that. You just get it very kind of like yeah. by the age of the people there... Kind of, you know, his hair's that's, a bit longer. That's the <laughs> yeah, the troll makeup's coming in. <laughs> they reference five years. Because <laughs> that's it. Like, almost every scene on the planet in, is, in essence, an expositional scene because you're needing to know more stuff about yeah, what's going I, on. Yeah, you're right. She does say five years very, on. very specifically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, that, that was the clunkiest <laughs> really got Five years. Yeah. Come on, it's been she five is, years. She is exasperated, though. <laughs> Stop talking about your fucking spaceship. Five years. 
Yeah. Um, so, guys, what was your favourite episode of the three? Sorry, I just thought about if my girlfriend suddenly started saying, "I'm the captain of a starship." Let's <laughs> <laughs> put you in the van. Yeah, would you, would, would you, would you give it five years? Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have a haircut. You're not. You're not I don't, yeah, before I wanted kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Alex, you insinuated this one. Yes, yeah, I think uh, Inner Light's my favourite. <laughs> okay. Joe, which was your favourite episode? Um, um, I liked the... Uh, I liked the first one. No, I didn't, sorry. Um, <laughs> the drum head. You the jump head. The court martial. Uh, yeah, the courtroom no, maybe, no, no. Yeah, actually, yeah, that one. Okay, yeah. that one. Okay. Yeah. And did these episodes convince you to watch more Star Trek Next <laughs> Generation after you finish recording this podcast? Well, this has been... We're now seven hours in non-stop <laughs> Star Trek discussion. So I'll probably, I'll probably give it maybe... Five years. Five years. <laughs> I'll catch up with you in five years when I'm a troll. And we'll see how we've got on. Yeah. Uh, I, for me, I did, I did enjoy it, but I think for me personally, I really struggle with series. Like, oh, okay. I, 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 the series that I really like, but... Sometimes I just find it so, like, for example, I watched series one of Breaking Bad, loved it. I'm like, wow, definitely gonna continue that. It's been, I'm genuinely, if I'm <laughs> shitting you not, it's been five years. <laughs> and I haven't, it's on my to do list, so I'm one of those people that it takes me a long time to get around to things. I mean, yeah, if you're not getting through Breaking Bad. <laughs> I think you need to like have somebody take you in 40 years and make you a little bit of a life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get around to all these things. You know? Look at myself in 40 years as a troll having not watched Breaking oh, Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine 20 minutes and just watch every film and TV show you ever wanted to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Clear out your watch list. Yeah. About today. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Um, Joe, will you be watching more Star Trek Next Generation after you give yourself a bit of a break? A bit of a break, yeah. Um, and then um, more. Possibly. <laughs> It's no. very easy to dip into as yeah exactly, um, and I can't even sit down for a, for very long now because of the series thing. Like I, I I was really bored by Breaking Bad and I didn't like it. Wow, so, that yeah. is that is a big statement. Yeah, no, no. I watched it. All I like it though. I like it. I watched it all in like uh, three weeks though, so maybe I just was a bit too intense with it. But I was just like, there's episodes where just nothing happens. So that is an intense. I'm cautious. I'm cautious with series. Yeah, well, yeah. that's 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 a complaint of modern series though, because they are serialized and they and they they are telling often one or two stories over yeah. episodes, and you know, is that kind of getting you back again, getting you on yeah. Whereas that's a different start to this, where it is every, you could everything. Watch one round Almost too much yeah. happens yeah. in yeah. three to five minutes. It yeah. kind of frees you up as well, knowing that I don't have to do it all in order. If yeah. I want it, I can just dip in when mm. I feel like mm. it. And there's yeah. no big commitment. So yeah. Yeah. in a way, it's the biggest commitment because there's like a billion episodes. It's kind of like zero. But there's many. But there's a lot of people out there with opinions about what the best fifty are and all this sort of stuff. Mm. So I think you kind of just do the golden stuff. Like you probably can go wrong. Yeah. Because with anything that's been going around that long. There's an awful lot of like pedestrian episodes that you probably just wouldn't enjoy. Yeah. If you try to watch in order, you know, well, it gets good after season three anyway, so you probably. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's you, what I did. I found like a list that listed like the 50th, the 50 best Star Trek episodes across all seven seasons, uh, series or whatever. And so, you know, it's about maybe eight or nine from this and five yeah. or six from there and 11 yeah. from there. So and you get, but you're getting all gold, you know, yeah. in exactly. theory. But you're getting also like you said, the, the best of the best. So you get the sense of the characters. You get like, um, you know, if you wanted to feel like, I've I get what the Star Trek is. These will be the best way of finding it out. So I must say, big reveal of the episode, the completist in me is starting to lean towards attempting to watch every episode of 
Star Trek. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like at at some point, like, in terms of like you know, like like the whole thing, every series. Wow. Maybe not animated, like, like yeah. uh, but you know, all of the major live action series, even the one with the guy. Even the one with the guy, especially the one with the guy. As I said, I did the one with the guy. So and, uh, it was my favourite. Now I, yeah, I am potentially leaning towards attempting that yeah. at some point. So you know, more on that. Are you going into a full year coma to get it done? I may have to. Well, you're going into one if you don't. Yeah, yeah. More on that in a future episode. Uh, oh, go on, mate. I've got a little bit of a plot twist myself oh, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know what this oh, plot is. I know is. what's coming. For a, for a non uh, Star Trek person, I've met Patrick Stewart. Oh. I met him in a very surreal scenario. Uh, I was met him in LA, and he was just standing outside of a restaurant. Yeah. And the thing is, I so I kind of had some background information because I've got a friend of mine, a friend of a friend who is a big Star Trek fan. They told me they wait for him outside a play in Brighton. And as soon as they realised he was a star, like he brought out something Star Trek to sign, apparently he literally ran. Like, like, he, t- like he took off running. Yeah. <laughs> literally, literally, because he was talking to him. And then he slowly revealed, like, a, an, like a, he a, thought he was pulling yeah. a gun. <laughs> he literally took off. But I, I'd had background knowledge that he doesn't like photos and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so basically, we were walking past, we kind of stopped. And then my friend asked him for a photo. And he said, and he ran. <laughs> and he just took off running. But he, he, he said no, he was very polite about it. And then I kind of had all these prior memories of like, yeah, I know he doesn't like photos. But I'd seen him in a play in Brighton two months before oh, that. So, you sneezed. Yes, exactly. It's uh, No Man's Land. And as soon as I said to him, no worries, completely unsorry for bothering. I just want to say I really enjoyed you in No Man's Land. He completely changed. And he went, yeah. Thank you so much. And we got into a chat with him for about 15, 20 minutes yeah. about, because he's a Huddersfield fan and he was yeah. talking because Huddersfield were playing Brighton the next night. I got into a chat <laughs> with him for ages and as we left, we would continue walking on the road and he was like, but before you go, chaps, just want to say, please be careful out there. Sunset Boulevard can be pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Oh, amazing. Like, well, yeah, there you go. That was the, that's the secret source, is it? Basically, pretend not to yeah. be a nerd. If we ever like, 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 find a niche, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, did love during Christmas carols. I just spotlight t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, no, that's amazing. Guys, uh, where can we find you online and also your podcast? Uh, our podcast is This Thing On. We're on iTunes and Audio Boom. And our Twitter Otherwise is. Otherwise known as Apple Podcasts, iTunes no longer exists. Does it not? No. We are so into this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Apple ID, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, we are on Twitter at this thing on pod, and you can search us as this thing on podcast on Instagram and other formats. And I'm on Twitter as at am underscore Petrovic. Excellent. And you, Joe? I'm on Instagram uh, <laughs> as Joe Foster Comedian. And that is the most up-to-date one, so that's the only one I'm going to give. Joe got locked out of his Twitter. What? Like five yeah. years ago and hasn't created a new one. What? Yeah. Well, you just forgot your password or something? No, but it's all, it's all full of horrible motherfuckers anyway. <laughs> but like, um, but you get banned Someone made it for yeah. me and they sent me the password and then I forgot it and then I just couldn't bring myself. The guy who made it for me moved, he moved to Australia. Yeah. And then I was like, you're down in life. There's so much going on in your life. That I can't really go. Oh, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> remember that Twitter? 
her. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah. you can't start a new one. You're not. Like, well, I'm not. Yeah. And say on it like ended last account, 158,000 followers, guys. Like, <laughs> help me get back up. Well, I'm not hugely desperate to make another one. Okay. Um, because I think people on it are very nasty, and I don't really. I'm trying to unplug. But yeah, Instagram. Okay. Everyone loves an Instagram. <laughs> Instagram it is. Amazing. Uh, you can find Spotlight at Spotlight Pod on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Uh, you can email us at spotlightpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to give us your episodes that you would have picked, if you disagree uh, with the episodes that we uh, picked for a new audience. And you can leave us a review uh, Apple Podcasts. Don't leave it on iTunes because... Like, <laughs> what idiot would say that? God, glad there's no morons like that in the room. <laughs> okay. um, but just make sure it's a five-star review and we'll be fine. And yeah, we will be back uh, very soon. In fact, the next episode, I can actually say, usually we don't know what the next episode is going to be, but I can, ourselves I can announce this. right now that the next episode will be 40th anniversary special for Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, in December. So, come back to join us then. You're looking forward to that one, aren't you? Paul? Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> in the future. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thanks so much, and it's goodbye from me and uh, everyone who is also sitting in this yeah, room now. Thanks, thanks for having us. Bye, well, see you in five years. Bye.